Okay, hello and good afternoon it is for me, or good evening, uh, good morning if you're in the States. Welcome to Free Association. And uh, I had a conversation this afternoon uh, with a friend of mine and we were talking about uh, Medazolam and the, the role Medazolam potentially played in the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I don't know the answer to these questions, but my question is, what was the role of midazolam? And uh, why specifically was a large amount of midazolam ordered? Was it a routine practice to order two years worth of medication when the pandemic started or was this an exception that would be my first question um, midazolam is is used to sedate people and it has the effect of, of producing stress on the lungs so it's contraindicated for lung issues so why was it being used in a disease that produces lung issues? That would be another question when it when it's pro potentially contraindicated. And I found a documentary. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's an hour an hour long. It's on BitChute and uh, called A Good Death. So I'm going to play part of it, I'm going to play the beginning of it, see how good it is and probably play about 15-20 minutes of this one. I think it was originally on Iconic, <coughs> which is David Icke's platform, uh, so you can check it out there or it's on BitChute, uh, entirely up to you, uh, but here's, here's the first part of A Good Death. Which went viral 
David Icke spotted it, invited me onto his podcast to talk about what he called the premeditated murder of the elderly in care homes and hospitals across the UK. Over the next few weeks, many people approached me with heartbreaking stories of how their relatives and loved ones have been killed in hospital. There were too many not to believe, so I decided to pitch it to the national newspapers. I contacted 28 editors and got no immediate response. After chasing a few times, a couple of them got back to me. But after much discussion, and even after they talked to some of the people that I'd spoken to, they decided not to run the story. They never explained why. These stories needed to be heard, and I realised they'd be better captured on film than on paper. In August 2021, Lee's dad went into hospital with suspected pneumonia. Can you tell me a bit about him and what he was like, not only health-wise, but personality-wise? Oh, he was, he was a beautiful person, an incredible soul, gave everything to everybody in his life, you know. Uh, Musician, you said? Yeah. Yeah, great blues guitarist. Everybody knows him in Liverpool, and uh, he's just yeah, he's just an incredible person, you know. Uh, so sad, and so Dad was in a room on his own. He was awake at the time, but upon going in that room, he was sedated with midazolam and given morphine and never woke up. How do you know he was given morphine and midazolam? They told us. Patients who are prescribed end-of-life drugs such as midazolam and morphine have it administered in one of three ways, orally, by injection or via a syringe driver. A syringe driver is a device used to administer drugs over a prolonged period very gradually. T34 is a cocktail of uh, medication drip feeding under the skin and uh, now I know that uh, was given to cure her as quickly as possible. My Dazalam doses vary. Titration, during which a drug should be administered gradually at a small dose leading to a larger dose, seems to have been abandoned. Ravi and his wife, Diane, were NHS nurses. In February 2021, Diane was admitted to hospital after a bad reaction to the AstraZeneca vaccine. My Dazalam, 2.5 milligrams, that, that can kill a person. So they always give 2.5 milligrams and they shouldn't do that, especially with very small light people. They need to start with 0.5, then 1 then 1.5 and 2 and on a syringe drive it's a constant pumping of of the drug into the yeah, body yeah. and that's not a treatment and that's not a cure there's only one outcome when they put that into somebody's body and keep it going in mm. it kills them and they know that dr mukeshi has said said to me it was end of life end of life end of life and you accept that and 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 i witnessed uh, what he said, Diane, end of life, end of life. Nothing, nothing, no matter how I shout, what uh, I, I try to do, uh, it won't be possible. It's sign end of life, and there'll be end of life. And you felt powerless. To powerless, yeah. exactly. Powerless, uh, powerless, yes.
60-year-old mum was taken to hospital in August 2021. She was complaining of headaches and breathing problems. A Covid test proved negative. So going back to when you called the ambulance, what happened when the ambulance arrived? Um, the first responder turned up, so it was a paramedic um, in one of those, you know, the ambulance cars. He came in, uh, started giving mum oxygen. He just turned around and said, this is Covid. And I, I was taken back by that, and I was, I was like, I said, sorry, COVID? And he said, yeah. It was really weird. He was kind of boastful about it. And and um, so I just said, you haven't even tested it yet. And he said, no, he was like, he was certain. My mum said, leave the oxygen here. I, I'll be I'll be all right with that. And he turned around and said, I can't. He said, and she said, well, I won't go to hospital. He said, well, I can't leave the oxygen. He said, I have to go. If you don't want to come to the hospital, I have to go. And he just said, you'll die. The ambulance turned up and they said, we're going to take you to the hospital. And um, mum was like, no, I don't want to go to the hospital. And then the, um, the woman uh, um, paramedic said um, to my mum, well, you need to go to the hospital because you might have COVID. And then the first responder turned and said, no, it's COVID. It's definitely COVID. And it was a kind of like a weird, it was a weird silence. It was like he was trying to enforce what he um, diagnosed as that that's it you know job done as they wheeled her out the um her flat i ran over and i kissed her um and the paramedic said um you can't do that and i just turned around and i said that's my mum Nicola's 59-year-old dad, Martin, was admitted into hospital in May 2020 with suspected COVID. Hi, how are you? Lovely to meet you. Wow, look at that. So we did oh. a memorial for him because he was cremated. Yeah. Um, and we're going to scatter his ashes in places that he loved. Yeah. Holiday destinations, seaside, places he never got to go. Um, but there is some ashes that we've, we've laid there. That's that's where we uh, so nice. remember him. That's a really nice idea. And it's just because life takes over. You can't go to a grave every day, can you? So no. at least if you're at home. That's a really good idea. Easier. I've never, never seen that done before in a garden, but it's a yeah. really nice idea. It's just closeness. Yeah. What actually um, led him to be in hospital in the first place? He said he took bad in March. He said he didn't feel well. So we rang 111 and they said, oh, it sounds like he's got COVID. Isolate for two weeks. Um, two weeks later, he was still no better. So we took him up to A&A um, and they put him on the assessment unit. Yeah. He tested negative for COVID on entry, yeah. but they put him on a hot ward where he remained for 16 days. So why did they put him in a COVID ward if he tested negative? They won't answer me. When a DNAR, do not attempt resuscitation order, is put in place, it means that should a person's heart or breathing stop, medics will not try to bring them back to life. It was about five o'clock in the evening that the doctor rang. 
Um, and he says, um, your dad's very poorly. We don't know what to do with him. Can I ask your opinion on a, a DNAR? We've had an in-depth conversation with your dad. He wants a, a, a DNAR. I really wasn't expecting to have that conversation, right. so they caught me off guard. Um, but then he said, your dad's agreed to it. So I said, well, if that's my dad's wishes, who am I to... And you, you had know. no reason not to believe them either. No. Um, but then we kept ringing my dad's phone and he wasn't answering. When we eventually got through to him, it was about nine o'clock in the evening, and he said that um, they'd scared him by saying that if, he, if something happened, they wouldn't help him. Um, so I said, but you've agreed. He said, no, I don't know what they're saying to me, Bab. That was his exact words. Well, that's the first 10 minutes or so of a good death. Uh, as I said, it's an hour's documentary. I'm going to watch the rest of it now. And uh, I might post some more of it. I might post the next 10 minutes or the next 15 minutes on another podcast after I watched it. Uh, but uh, you can find it on iconic.com. And the version that I'm watching is on BitChute. And it's called A Good Death. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you again uh, later on tonight.